Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi, this is Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are back at it again with another episode of our podcast. Yes, and you're looking stylish in your, in your jacket. Well, thank you very much. It's rented. I have to have it back by midnight in charge nice, of the extra nice. day, so that's <laughs> how that goes. They have um, rentals here in Vegas. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we um, we just did an episode talking about um, capsular contraction, and we actually have been getting a lot of questions about other complications related to breast surgery, because obviously that's a big part of your practice a big part of any plastic surgeon's practice um so let's talk some more about that sure so yeah now again uh just to be clear is breast augmentation surgery again has about a 98 percent satisfaction rate uh on it people usually really really like it uh but like with any um, uh, any sort of operative procedure or anything there's always some inherent risk so and we try to manage the risk as best we can and that's why we also treat it uh when we can and that's again what you and i have talked about this ad, ad nauseum is uh, going to a board-certified plastic surgeon right. uh, in as much as <clears throat> we are trained to handle complications if they arise. But moreover, we try to go ahead and identify those patients that may have an issue or a problem and try to get ahead of those before we right. operate. Right, because it's always better to do it before the game, right? Than, 100%. Yeah. Even this, even this uh, last week, as unfortunate as it was, we had to cancel the case mm-hmm. uh, because the, the 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 safety range wasn't where it was uh, where it was supposed to be. So, mm-hmm. And there are guys that will go ahead and push the envelope, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, uh, but, but this is ultimately, not. it is an elective surgery. Yes. At the end of the day, it is not a gunshot wound to the chest. It is not cancer where you have to go quick like a bunny, which gives us the luxury of time. Right. Uh, we're able to go ahead, and if somebody has funny blood work, we're able to go ahead and uh, talk to their physician or send them to a physician and get yeah. it worked up, et cetera. And you're, we, you're first, I mean, we found stuff. I mean, right. to say obvious, the obvious thing is that your first concern for them as a patient is, is being healthy, Bef- right. Even regardless of the surgery. Right. right. You, you still you still get to be a doctor. And, and we joke all the time that everybody comes to the office, they need a real doctor. And they need, everybody needs a plastic surgeon, of course. But everybody needs a, a real doctor as well. And then sure. oftentimes, people coming from out of town will come to the plastic surgeon as their first doctor uh, because they want Botox. And so then they'll say, well, wait a minute, by the way, I need an OBGYN and I need a cardiologist and I also need a family practice mm-hmm. uh, person. And so we're able to... Um, Go ahead and uh, distribute them uh, accordingly, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and thankfully, there's a lot of good doctors here in town. I work a lot with the uh, Clark County Medical Society and the Nevada State Medical Association. You're actually, you, were, you were actually president. Once upon a time, yes. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, past president of the Clark County Medical Society. Uh, and then still work with them, of course, and with the Nevada State Medical Association uh, as well. And we're really fighting... Uh, for patients, we do is patient advocacy because at the at the end of the day, there's nobody that's really advocating for the patient uh, to work with the the hospital system or to work with insurers or to work with Medicaid or Medicare or to work with right. you know all these other things. And the legislature's in session and 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 to go ahead and see what what decisions they make may go ahead and affect the right. average so Joe it's always, patient. So it's always going to be patient's safety and health first and then, and then surgery. 100%. So, so yeah, so that's why when you come to me, you know, we talk about your history and physical exam. And, and, and again, we had to postpone a, a, a patient that, that they say, oh, I'm on this new med. And the new medicine happened to be a um, uh, 
a, a blood thinner. And mm-hmm. so, wait a minute, Ooh, we can't go to the eye do your procedure right. with a blood thinner. Oh, by the way, why are you on the blood thinner? Oh, the top of my heart was going really fast. I said, did they say atrial fib? I said, yeah, okay, time out, okay? Right. Now let's go ahead and talk to your cardiologist to make sure that you're safe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we find stuff. We it's, we found lymphomas before. We found uh, other sorts of cancer before. We f- find things. Right. And so Because once you go in, then all of a sudden, well, right. some and, stuff's not always seen on x-rays. Well, right. So, so, yeah, you, you find stuff. Stuff. And um, so we do history and physical. We talk about allergies. We talk about um, uh, medicines you're on and that sort of thing. Sure. So, so to try, because again, with the luxury of time, we're able to go ahead and maximize people. Mm-hmm. So we get our ducks in a line best we can to go ahead and get the best results that we can. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have no hesitation of uh, postponing or moving the operation to send somebody to a, a nephrologist, urologist, rheumatologist, cardiologist, whatever mm-hmm. ologist they may need. Yeah, so, set them up for success. Set them up for success. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So um, so what are some of the – we talked about a little bit about the list, and we've covered sure. some of that, but let, let's kind of go over that. Sure. With any procedure, we always talk about uh, the big, uh, big – three things is um, um, infection, bleeding, anesthesia complication, right? Mm -hmm. So infection, that's why with me, you get before, during, and after the case, you get antibiotics. I'm a little bit nutty in as much as I lock the door to my operating room so people don't walk in and walk out. Um, And and so we do everything we can to prevent infection, which is only 1% incidence, but hey, you do 200 cases a year, that's two. And if you happen to do the 1%. Right, then then it's 100% for you. Exactly. I had an old professor tell me that too. He said, oh yeah, no, the literature is 1%, but if it's you, you... Exactly. Or, your, or your mother or your grandmother. Yeah, then it's 100% for that. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. There's 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 people behind those numbers, right? And so 1% is not zero, yeah. right? So, uh, there's that. Uh, uh, bleeding, that's why we check um, the uh, bleeding cascade uh, before you come in, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have a history of bruising and bleeding? Are you on aspirin, ibuprofen, uh, St. John's wort, and right. uh, vitamin E? Aspirin is yeah. great if you have certain issues, but oh, it can cause issues. Terrific. Too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like any medicine we have, it's a double-edged sword, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so aspirins, you know, they're terrific, and especially, you know, they're talking about baby aspirins, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but with their pluses is uh, there are also some minuses if you want to have surgery. Again, so usually walking around every day having a baby aspirin, fine. But when you go to surgery or even uh, Botox fillers, you know, they're at a higher propensity to uh, to bleed or bruise or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then anesthesia complication. Anesthesia basically is very, very, very safe. Some people make a big deal about, oh my God, it's general anesthesia. Well, you're actually safer in the operating room getting operated on than you are driving to the operating room that day. Right. So in that regards, uh, it's you know about a one in three hundred thousand chance of something bad going on. Usually to a little old lady that's uh, that eats saltine crackers and stuff like that. Somebody who's not in great shape. Um, but by and large, it's very safe. But that's why I like to have an anesthesia. Uh, board certified anesthesia doctor with me. Uh, yeah. We go to a certified place. Uh, right. Your still anesthesia doctor is just as qualified right. as you are. They're just yes. as highly qualified. Yeah. yeah. So, and these guys have been with me 18 years, mm-hmm. and they've uh, they've put my uh, my wife, my dad, my mother in law uh, to sleep, and I like all three of them. Uh, <laughs> and that's always the next question. And then the next next question is is everybody woke up just fine? Yeah. Uh, that's good. So <laughs> so yeah. So so having said that is, is so I make it as safe as possible, and that's actually when the big questions I get mostly from moms because moms are more 
uh, afraid of the anesthesia than they are the actual operation. Yeah. And so, and again, after you talk to them and after you get the, the history and the physical done, then you then then you assess risk. And basically, most people are at the very small and the risk assessment. And the anesthesia guys and gals will go ahead and do that. They'll rate it from you know one to five. Most of my folks are ones and twos. They're walkie talkies. I go to. Uh, an outpatient surgery center. So typically you have to be able to walk in and walk out of the place. Right. And um, so that, so that makes it, that, that kind of ferrets out a lot of the uh, issues anyways, because sure. you, you have to meet that criteria. Yeah, it's always better to catch it on the front end than right. to have to, to deal with the circumstances on the back right. end. So you have to have that criteria before you're even allowed to have a, a operation in an outpatient setting. Mm-hmm. So, And sometimes we have to go to the hospital. There are certain uh, conditions. We did a, a gal with a malignant hypothermia, which is, is very long story short, with certain anesthetics, you get really, really hot and mm-hmm. it's not good. And uh, we actually took her to the hospital and uh, were able to go ahead and uh, get done what we needed to get done. She did great and kind of hang out in the hospital recovery yeah, room sure for about good. 12 hours sure. until she went home. And, and we actually wrote a paper on it and, and everything. But uh, but having said that, yeah, you just have to try, like you said, to anticipate mm-hmm. problems before the problems, you hope. What, so what are what would be the most yeah. common issues? So, so again, bleeding infection, anesthesia complications uh, is general. Mm-hmm. Global. And then next is specific to the certain procedures. So, for example, uh, breast augmentation, there's a, there's a few. Uh, there is you know, bleeding, which would be hematoma, right? Mm-hmm. Oma meaning make a mass of, right? Sure. Heme meaning blood, right? So sometimes, and again, very seldom, 1%, but again, do 200 a year, you know, two. Right. Uh, not good. We haven't had that in many. Um, is, uh, hematoma is basically a where you create a pocket and you put the implant in. But... Uh, there's a little potential space in there. So sometimes the systolic blood pressure will go uh, up a little bit too high or whatever, and you may throw off a little clot, and then you have this little pump or bleeder. Mm-hmm. Also, those folks that uh, are on your aspirins and all that stuff, they less have less pumpers. They have like this kind of diffuse ooze, and that's kind of more of a pain because you really got to make sure it's bone dry. Yeah, and because uh, your body is trying to, you're in you're doing surgery, your body is naturally going to react to that. Right. right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a nice guy, but I take knife to people, right? So, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, so. Yeah, your body, your body doesn't you cause it. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. doesn't like that. And so it'll go ahead and react in predictive ways, and sure. we can handle it now, ice and elevation, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but having said that, is, is yeah, so that's bleeding, uh, a, a hematoma. A seroma is another thing, serum, uh, which is the mm-hmm. same fluid you have in a blister. Oma, again, a collection of, uh, of serum. And so in some breast cases, we actually try to get ahead of that with uh, some uh, drains. Again, people don't like the drains. And again, it depends on the... Um, the issue itself. Primary breast augmentation, typically you don't use drains. Secondary uh, breast revisional surgery or redo, redos or capsulectomies, then you would go ahead and put it in there because you anticipate some oozing, uh, usually not from blood as much as from serum. Yeah. So that's the, that's the kind of stuff that you would try to anticipate and get a uh, get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Uh, capsular contracture, we already kind of talked about that last time around. Uh, that's where the capsule, which forms around um, any uh, thing that you put in the it's body. Your body's protective. Exactly. Thing. So whether it's a breast implant, um, whether it's a uh, chemotherapy port, whether it's a defibrillator, the body will go ahead and wall that off with the capsule. Mm-hmm. So usually the capsules are nice and, and soft and people are happy. Uh, but sometimes they'll scar in or contract up, in which case, again, sometimes we can do that manage that conservatively and sometimes we would have to go back in and uh, do something with a capsule right. to go ahead and uh and treat. Have it so it's mo- the most natural feel and, right yeah. and and and, uh, and treat that 
another thing that comes up rarely, but it comes up is displacement, meaning, um, and this happens typically in folks that are real thin or gals and then go really big. And so the implant itself may go ahead and shift in a place that you don't want it to. We see this sometimes after auto accidents. Uh, right. We see this sometimes with other sorts of trauma uh, or, or trauma. And the trauma can be small, uh, but sometimes it's it just enough. Happens, happens the right It's way, enough to just yeah. tear the pocket. And so now the, <clears throat> the body will go ahead and repair the tear. But now the pocket itself is bigger, and which allows the implant Movement. to slide around a little bit more. And usually it's inferiorly towards your feet and then laterally uh, – Toward your arm, right? The under the underarm, kind right. of side boob, uh, right? So that's usually kind of where they wind up because again, the chest walls aren't flat; chest walls are curved, and you'll see that with uh, natural uh, breast or even breast with implants. When gals lay down, they tend to kind of migrate towards the armpits, etc. Um, and, and there's a lot of uh, talk about this on different TV shows and whatever. But what's an idea? I mean, if you if somebody wants larger breasts, what's the safety zone? I mean, as far as CCs, is there a range? above that you, you don't feel comfortable doing? Well, that's, that's a great question uh, because this last week I put in the largest breast implant that I ever have, mm. which was about one-third of what she had in. So wow. this was a very much an outlier case. But having said that, as we went round and round and round and we talked about all that, mm. that kind of stuff. To answer your question, for me, there's no hard and fast number. Some uh, plasticians do. Yeah, but they get striking the 1,000s, right? The well, yeah, yeah, so the, they, they make them to 800s. That's mm. the max they make in the United States. Um, some folks will overfill salines. Uh, in the very distant past, thank God, uh, guys would go ahead and stack them when that's fallen away. Right. Um, so, so, but again... Uh, what's 500 cc's on this little gal who's 5'10 is, huge, is different right, right. than 500 cc's on somebody um, that's you know six foot two. Uh, right. And uh, and it also depends on it, what their goal is, right? Do they want bigger right. or do they want firmer? Are they is it in combination right. with the lift? Right, right. It's the whole the thing. whole thing. So they have they had babies, not had babies. What their skin looked like? Sure. Had they smoker in the past? Have they had uh, steroids in the past, et cetera? So yeah, there's the, all of those things, and that's why for me, uh, and again, folks do different things. And get good results and stuff. But for me, you know, history is important. Uh, history of um, any medical problems or surgical problems, et cetera, sure. et cetera. Um, the drugs they've, uh, they're on, um, uh, both uh, from... All the complicating factors. All, uh, all of it. And, and allergies, et cetera, et cetera. And what they do for a living, okay? Right. It's recovery... Uh, for somebody who's in housekeeping here at a Las Vegas uh, hotel, that's a strenuous job. And, right. and, and those folks work hard. Uh, and nurses, too. They're pushing and pulling patients and doing all that yeah. kind of stuff. So you have to kind of factor that into the... Right, as opposed to you know somebody who's maybe a customer service agent. They work hard, too, but less physical, physical uh, strength with your pectoralis major muscles, right? right? So everybody is a, you know, a little bit different. Can they work from home? How much PTO can they, can they use, et cetera, et cetera? Right. So we try to be holistic, if you will, in that thing. Again, trying to line us up mm-hmm. for the the best result uh, result possible. Right. So yeah, I mean, because a lot of that can avoid a lot of those issues, right? If you do the homework at the beginning. And, right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely right. And we have folks who say, okay, well, you need to go ahead and see your cardiologist. Oh gosh, yeah, I went ahead and I had this. Um, 
arrhythmia that they fixed and now I'm back and you know we can do and so that way we, we don't have problems uh, a couple other relatively new things with um, breast augmentation is breast implant illness which we've covered a couple times right. uh, here on the on the show uh, where some folks have this constellation of uh, symptoms of uh, malaise and brain fog and tiredness and, and, and all that right. and by again by the time they come to me they've usually been through the rheumatologist trying and to figure out this, what it is yeah. yes and so for me we take out the implant, we take out the capsule, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I, I mean, I've obviously selected out that patient population. But for for me, those folks, eighty five percent of the time, will say that, yeah, hey, doc, I feel better. Yeah, so, I mean, great, which is which is terrific. Uh, yeah, there's, then, there's some controversy about that subject. Yes, right? so there's it's controversial in medical literature, and thankfully now we have folks that are actually doing the true randomized prospective controlled studies, and so we should have more data or better handle on this data in the next, I don't know, two, three, five mm-hmm. years. So we can actually really kind of delve down. And then what's the ideology? What can we, what causes it? And again, can we get ahead of it and we can yeah. we prevent it? I mean, again, I mean, the bottom line is you want the pay, it's about the patient's health. So right. if they feel like that, that's the cause and there's really no, no harm, no foul to take them out. Right. You'd always replace them down the road if they felt like they wanted, most probably wouldn't, but. Right. So yeah. So yeah, with me, if you want your breast out, we take them out. So a breast implants out, we take mm-hmm. them out. Um, so that's that where that is. And then ALCL, which is basically a very, very rare, uh, thank God, uh, entity where there's a um, basically the cancerous cells which are in the lining of the uh, of the uh, capsule. Uh, to give you an idea of the uh, incidence, is basically is 400,000 women get uh, breast augmentation in the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. 100,000 of those are um, reconstructive. Okay, right. uh, across the globe, 10 million about 10 million people a year. Uh, get um, uh, implants. Okay, so that's their number times you know, sometimes twenty years, et cetera, et cetera. So that's right. a, a big number, right? Okay. So with the ALCL, um, they've been uh, at last I looked at this is about nine hundred cases mm-hmm. of documented certified bona fide ALCL. So so nine hundred divided by you know twenty million, et cetera, right. et cetera. So the ALCL. Explain exactly what that what that means. Basically, it's the we they found it in uh, the capsule of. Uh, breast implants, mm-hmm. as well as they've now, now they're looking for it, they're finding it in uh, defibrillator capsules and, and other capsules mm-hmm. as well. So it's basically a change of the cell that uh, makes it look like a cancerous type of, a type of cell, et cetera. Oh, okay. And yes, there have been some deaths attributed to it, et cetera. So, but it's a very, very rare occurrence. And it really, the line share has, has more than line share. It has been shown to be in a textured implant, and moreover, a certain manufacturer's textured implant. So, for example, okay. if it was a, if it's a round implant, you're according to the numbers uh, as of this writing, your incidence would be about zero. Okay. okay. So, okay. Now, the other is like zero point zero 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 one, but but there really hasn't been a bona fide certified case as of this writing, and things may change right. uh, for a, a smooth implant. And you guys, I mean, plastic surgeons, I shouldn't say you guys, but plastic surgeons, you guys are talking amongst yourselves. All the time. Yeah, so this is American a, uh, plastic yeah. surgeons, ASPS. Yes. Well, there's right. a couple groups. There's ASPS, and right. then there's uh, ASAPS, which is uh, ASAPS. But we, yeah, we, we, I get 16 uh, emails a day on COVID. I get probably three or four on breast implant uh, issues, on sure. that sort of thing, uh, a week. And, and people are now really studying it. There's our implant registry going on, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so now we're really trying to get better and better numbers. Sure. So, and, and, and again, because it's a it's a preventative to right. avoid exactly. issues. Sure. And, and again, it's it's prima non serie, first do no harm. That's mm-hmm. the first thing they go ahead and uh, and say to us right. uh, in in medical school. The first thing you do is not not harm your patient. Mm-hmm. Do something. Uh, do something. Uh, do something harmful. Um, so having 
said all that is, is so ALCL is uh, something that we're looking at, uh, and the line share of that was in a certain um, manufacturer, uh, Allergan, and they're all good. So, so uh, Sientra, Allergan, Mentor, it's like Coke, Pepsi, right? The, the, Royal ma- the majors. They're right. all good. They've all gone through extensive testing. It's basically the most. Um, tested thing that we put in the body believe it or not right. because of all of all of the things that go with it so having said that is it's the textured implant and the one that had the most aggressiveness with it uh, seems to be the one with the most incidence of it uh, so mm. what I think is going on and again with no uh, I don't have a lab to go ahead and like back this up is I think that the, inflama- the inflammatory um, situation with the aggressive uh, implant probably went ahead and uh, transformed or somehow affected these cells, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm. so that's where you actually get the uh, the recall, which the, it was a terrible thing to call it because because uh, yeah, recall it, sounds like you know I got to get my brakes redone, you right. know, and go back to Ford and just switch out. In fact, the FDA said you know you do not have to get them taken out, right? Mm, but just be more aware, right? To just be more aware and and you know et cetera, et cetera. So so having said that, we've but what happens is people on their feed says, you know, implants, uh, cancer, and they stop reading, you know, and then they go ahead yeah. and, and then they, they call. And so which call is, me. in a way, it's right. understandable. Right, which is right. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. And and so, but if there's a question like that, yeah, call, call me or call another board-certified plastic surgeon, and yeah. we're like, okay, sure, this is kind of how this works, and yes, come in if you want. It's a, so by all means, we're always, we plastic surgeons yeah. are and always maybe, around and maybe to maybe if they have questions. a concern about that, find out what implant they actually was put into them. Sure. The brand and and if it was that more sure so, so everybody gets their little card a little member I call it a little membership card right uh, when uh, when you get an implant device and and most people will, will have them in a shoebox somewhere but some people move three or four times and sure, they get lost yeah. along the way so but if you have that information or if you're getting implants try to go ahead and put that in a safe place yeah I mean and with any procedure like that too if you start feeling like something doesn't seem normal call your doctor absolutely so call the doc and and so and and that was kind of been a big thing during the COVID thing is uh, uh, if folks didn't want to go to the doctor and folks didn't want to go to the hospital mm. and folks died at home of a heart attack because they right. didn't want to go to the hospital. Or they come when, by the time they show up, it's too too late. Right. So by all means, if there's an issue, and that goes for diabetes, that goes for hypertension, that goes for all the other stuff that, that docs take care of, mm-hmm. uh, by all means, if you have those, go see your doctor. Uh, right. Basically, at this point, everybody, well, I'll speak for my office. Everybody in the office has been vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. We, yeah. t- we take all the steps you're supposed to take. Uh, and uh, all the other doctors yeah. Offices health, that health, I know health of. first, surgery second. Right, uh, <laughs> right. It did care of that, and then even though the ER, they've segregated off the COVID units for the not COVID units and the COVID part of the ER for the not COVID. So, so while sure it's in the back of everybody's mind, mm-hmm. if you, you got to go get help, go 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 get help. Yeah, and you've actually, I mean, even with what's happened this past year, you've still been doing surgeries. It's just well, yeah, we shut down for completely I mean, for, bit, did, for, uh, for two months, and then we really, for us again, like most people, uh, nobody's in the waiting room anymore. We call you in for we get from the car, a text. Uh, we have a lot of FaceTimes now. Right. Uh, we have a lot of virtual um, uh, consultations. How is that? You know, and actually, I was going to ask you about that. So, how is that? Um, for you, how does that work with the virtual consultations? Well, I mean, for me, I think it's I think it's good, great for the patients, uh, and especially if they're getting certain procedures done. And we always get a lot of, hey, do I need a breast dog versus a lift? And usually we can discern some of that. I was taught a long time ago by a family practice physician that the patient encounter doesn't count unless you touch the patient. Mm, yeah. um, and he's right. It was it, a different time too. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to be there, examine. And so there's some things like, again, some folks can come in for, or we can see over, um, 
the, uh, the the phone or whatever for yeah. a uh, abdominoplasty. But still, I want to put my hands on them and say, oh, do you have a hernia or not? Right? Sure. So those are those sort of things. And when we go ahead and we talk on, on Zoom or Skype or whatever they set up for me because you know, uh, technology challenge, but <laughs> is, uh, all of a sudden, oh, there's a patient there on the screen. <laughs> and uh, it, so basically, for me, it's, you know, absolutely you can go a certain uh, far miss to it but you also right. have to give the prize of highs okay we're gonna this is how we're planning it but you do still have to come in and i still have to go ahead and really yeah. examine it's good, you. just really just for the initial meeting yeah and and, uh, and do that stuff. and in, in nevada too and we talked about this the other day is actually we have a lot of rural communities yeah so so we've already we especially the medical society have talked about uh, rural medicine for forever and getting Specialists, especially to go out to Yarrington or Winnemucca yeah. or, or Jackpot or Caliente, or these little towns in the middle of nowhere, uh, essentially. All the all, the, all <laughs> these all these places, and uh, um, you know how do you, you know, how do you get you know people uh, out there, and especially if it's uh, and there's great docs out there, but some uh, sometimes you need a, a little more of a specialist, etc. Yeah. How do we how do we get them? Uh, otherwise, you know, get in the pickup truck and drive eight hours to Reno. I right. mean, that's that's a haul. And also, if you're talking especially about reconstructive surgery, if you live in right. those towns, you'll have general MDs, but you probably may not have a plastic surgeon. Yeah, so typically, yeah, it depends on the size of the town and what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the thing is, too, is, and especially sometimes for medicine checkups, you know, that kind of thing, do you really have to, you know, haul eight hours in and eight exactly. hours out to get your medicine changed? So we've been, we, doctors have been talking about that for years, and I think that one possible silver lining for the COVID thing is, is that that's probably something here to stay, right. and there'll be a certain platform on it, which will be HIPAA compliant and all that kind of good stuff um, at, at some point but i think that that's probably the final push uh to go ahead and, and and make that work yeah when you do um so you do surgery i guess two times a week right yeah typically right now we're doing tuesdays fridays mm-hmm. uh and so those are those are our, our days to do that and they've, they've proved pretty popular yeah and you we were talking about music in the operating room yes <laughs> you wanted so, to, we were talking about it so tell me a little bit about that, that so yeah story. so I'm, I'm sitting in las vegas <laughs> right the entertainment capital world and i'm sitting uh, in uh, Mark Chinook's The Space uh, and everything. So with all which of this, is a great place. The, which is a terrific place with all this Broadway stuff and, and everything <laughs> else. And then I'm, I'm sitting here with multiple musicians. Um, so I'm not musically inclined. That all went to Jack uh, in, the, in, the, in the family. It's your brother. Uh, I, I, so yeah, I, you know, so Kazoo maybe, uh, Triangle, <laughs> I don't know. So that's, that's as far as I dare to go um the, the shower is where i'm, I'm saying so yeah but but uh oftentimes you guys will go and gals will go ahead and play music uh, in the or um and it's funny because usually you know and, and people ask uh this mm-hmm. but you can't have it distracting and, and i guess it's low enough and i turn it off if we have to etc yeah, so yeah. never a distraction and there's some folks have gotten really there was one dermatologist who was like dancing in the or something like that and got, <laughs> i just there, and we, now we got our TikTok doctors. Right. <laughs> please. And so um, and there, there's some good guys on, on that as well. But but uh, that platform. But yeah, I mean, that's the one, I have to tell you, the OR is the one place which is really kind of like sanctuary or a cathedral or something because yeah. my, go, my phone goes off. You can't, uh, what, I, you know. Yeah, you have to. You can't have distractions. No, you right? can't have distractions. I can't think uh, uh, about you know, anything else that running the business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, so it, that, that all goes away and I get to concentrate on one thing. Yeah. And so that's really kind of And that's, cool. I mean, really, like, it seems like with you, that's your happy happy place. Yeah. So that's, it. It's, it 
we talk about that's that. your art. That's your art. Yeah. Right? So yeah, yeah. So that's that's a place that I've been trained to do what I do in judgment mm-hmm. and everything else like that. And so yeah. So having said that, usually it goes towards uh, Eagles, uh, something like that. <laughs> the playlist. Classic. Classic rock. Well, there's there's a few guys that actually had. Playlists I was going to say we should actually do your Spotify and playlist. made and made uh, <laughs> what and and and, and made mix and made mixtapes. A shout out for mixtapes. <laughs> and so and so for, for those of you youngins that are listening to the program, so a mixtape is is when you were in the eighties and nineties. And we were on cassettes. Right. Yeah, okay. You can ask your eight parents tracks. about that. <laughs> well, 8-Track was in the car. But anyway, so if you liked a girl, you would go ahead and make them a mixtape, which means you would wait by the radio. Uh, for me, if you didn't have enough money to actually buy the music. So you would wait by the radio, and oh, the song came on, and you would click on play, and you would go ahead, and then you wait for the radio for another cool song that you wanted. And so then you would find the gal... Um, at, at at school and go, hey, I made this mixtape for <laughs> and uh, and that was kind of cool back in the day. Sell, and, selling your mixtapes on the playground. So and then you would, yeah, you would sell that. So actually, it was this, this Doctor Rapogel. You could have been DJ Ross. So that I, you know, the, 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 the way things are going, you know, you got to have a got to have a, a, gotta be, have a thing. Got to yeah. have a yeah. Got a side side. Uh, thing. So um, actually, Doctor Rapogel, a uh, shout out Doctor Rapogel if he's uh, listening. He's not going to listen, but he. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but he was a plasterist, and so he would make these CD mixtapes, actually, of, of stuff he funny. liked, classic rock, this, that. And then, yeah, he would give them out to his friends and everything else like That's that. That's funny. So, wow. uh, so, and he would call himself Dr. Reptile because yeah. of a pogle. You know, yeah, it's would, funny, so. too. Like, I mean, you know, everybody thinks of doctors, and they, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of training and on the, the serious job, and but, you know, doctors are human, too, right? They like so, to yeah. have fun. They like to enjoy music. They, they are, do. I mean, all this. And stuff, there's right? actually a, believe it or not, there is a, 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 a medical uh, orchestra here in town oh. uh, and there's some really good players yeah. uh so um it, it, you know from from strings they, they were the smart like musicians that. and they went to college uh, <laughs> so uh, well yeah and there's and again you know i'll just say shout out to uh, uh dr michael seif who is mm-hmm. a phenomenal brain surgeon wow. he's a neurosurgeon and i think he would rather be playing keyboards uh right. someplace yeah. some days i would you know and, and he's phenomenal at that too but so that's some a, folks, it's nice to have that release right because yeah. you have oh, a yeah. high pressure job <laughs> so you have the left brain and right brain you yeah. know and such and we know the music cross supplies and i'm, I'm preaching the converted here as people are, are looking at me, but uh, so yeah, so usually it's a classic rock uh, Eagles. Although I don't know how Matley Crew got to be classic rock anymore, but and it's because I'm just getting older. But having yeah. said that, is so it's usually that. Um, usually, if you're with the resident, the resident will go ahead and and and. and uh, to pick out the thing. I don't have residents in the room anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, but for for Lipus, and it also depends on the day, meaning. Then we have nurses that go ahead and they have the, you know, the 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 EDC stuff, whether it's a drum and bass or house or whatever like that. So yeah, we've gotten off on a weird tangent. And then uh, and then and then my surgery tech will go ahead and say, "Can I have something with lyrics?" You know what I mean? So. So, yeah, so it really kind of depends. It also depends, you know, who your anesthesiologist is, sure, et cetera. Yeah. But having said all that, it's something that is, is kind of flowing. Some guys like classical music. Um, yeah. uh, Steve Tattlebaum, a shout-out to Dr. Tattlebaum, who's a phenomenal plaque surgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes classical music uh, in in his OR. Yeah. Uh, I was in um, uh, an, an OR, trapped, uh, in an OR where, I shouldn't say that, is where the surgeon loved Patsy Cline, which is oh, great. Funny. But... Seven hours. Not all, <laughs> yes, every day. And so, and she's great. You know, yeah, don't, no, you know yeah, crazy. Know, know. Yeah, 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 thought, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah too so, funny. so again, it kind of depends on the yeah. on what's going on. For example, liposuction. You usually want something kind of up tempo, yeah. you know, kind of thing. <laughs> 
Uh, High energy. We, we, do, we do the, uh, the liposuction. Right. Body. So, yeah. yeah, you want to have that a little bit. And then uh, for microsurgery, you usually want <clears throat> kind of calming, you know, Vivaldi. <laughs> yeah. Four Seasons is really good. We like that. Yeah. And uh, a shout out to Dr. Gabe Kind, uh, who's up in the Bay Area. He's a very kind surgeon. He gets that all the time. But he's a phenomenal microsurgeon. And um, when I was training, he was at the Bunky Clinic, which is just an absolute phenomenal, phenomenal place. And and the late, great Dr. Uh, Bunky, he uh, invented microsurgery. Wow. And, yeah. and, and, and probably the nicest guy you ever wanted to meet and mm-hmm. always there to... to um, to be helpful and, and push the envelope. He was just a spectacular guy. And uh, and his uh, uh, his son took over, uh, and they just do phenomenal work. But so what Gabe Kind uh, is basically is, is there are moments uh, in the OR where things get a little difficult, and especially when you're doing really, really technical surgery, and especially microsurgery where you're yeah, we're putting— Yeah, very intense. You're, you're, you're using suture that's finer than a human hair under the microscope, and you put two vessels together, and they're supposed to— connect and be able to have blood flow and sometimes they don't and so you take it down and you put it together and it's supposed to connect and and flow and sometimes it doesn't so sometimes can be very very frustrating and again you're you're working on a microscope and your neck's hurting the whole thing and but you get it done um but there are those moments that that are a bit frustrating so his thing was is uh put on uh, al green and so for him, oh, Al Green, you know, was was able to kind of, you know, all right, let me think, let me get this out. Yeah. Is there a certain way I can do this? Blah, blah, blah. And so if you walked into the OR to tell Dr. Kind something and, and the Reverend was on, not the time to talk. Okay. But you're like, <laughs> that's funny. Okay. I'll be back. You do you know think, what I mean? Is there so. a certain like psychological profile for surgeons? I, I would think there's a certain kind of people that really gravitate towards <laughs> that. I, I don't know. Dep- depends who you ask. Oh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, uh, would be. Uh, and I'm sure my psych my psych friends would go, go ahead and have a field day <laughs> because that is uh, a lot of pressure uh, right? uh, uh, on this. Is a, yeah, the whole thing again it comes down to you know helping the patient and using mm-hmm. your knowledge base and hands to go ahead and uh, and, and make a difference. Right. And um, for that, I think that's the common thread. And then yes, yeah, some and again, surgeons are, are different too. And the type of surgeon there's the trauma surgery guys. Guys like to rock and roll. There's the the there's the you know we the, always think of like the mash right the pituitary. Right. Adenoma uh, guys. There's the guys that like to do really fine things with thyroid. There's the microsurgeons. Uh, there's the orthopedic surgeons. Now there's the orthopedic hand surgeons that do microsurgery, and then there's the orthopedic surgeons who just love big, bad, ugly trauma with bones right. sticking out yeah. and pelvic Which stuff done, and everything else like right. that. Well, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, so uh, with the orthopedic stuff, I usually assist those guys. But mm-hmm. some guys like you know really big, bad, ugly, you know fractures right. uh, and some guys are, are you know more, more micro, erudite and everything. Yeah. so again even uh, amongst that specialty um, uh, as well so when yeah. you go to school for plastic surgery do they I guess at some point I mean do you, do you always most people always know what they want to specialize in or that's, that's a you great kind question. of figure that you, out yeah you kind of figure that out on the way in mm-hmm. medical school well first of all you go to medical school right so that which mm-hmm. ain't easy to get in right so uh, at one and then two is, is okay then at some point you have to make a decision of where I'm going to be a surgeon or not surgeon right mm-hmm. so is, am I going to think or am I going to cut, right? So, yeah. right. And the best doctor is is an internal medicine that can operate or a surgeon that can think, right? So, right. <laughs> yeah. And then there are some folks that are hybrids between the two. Cardiology now has gotten more and more invasive. Mm. So they're thinkers, but they're now being more doers. Right. OBGYN, same thing. They do, if you want to call it internal medicine or family practice, 
stuff or they can manipulate hormones by the same token they're uh, surgeons yeah and, and so there's, there's more expected of them right so there's so there's uh and they're doing it on no sleep because they've been delivering babies all night and everything else like that so <laughs> god bless them right um so having said that is is yeah there, there's there's that and then so once you get into surgery are you needed a neurosurgery or plastic reconstructive surgery or general surgery or trauma surgery or there's all different aspects of that and so mm-hmm. For some people are just drawn to certain things. Well, and, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for the first year, internship year, they give you a little Whitman sampler of everything. And so, you know, oh, I like that. I didn't like that, et cetera. And so, mm-hmm. and so again, where you're trained, uh, where you're being trained, and um, the personalities in the department may have you push one way or another. Sure. Or the operations themselves may push you one way or another as well. So it's a... Uh, it's interesting how you eventually get to where you are, um, but hopefully it's in the room of medicine that you really like. And I, and I tell the medical students this is there's lots of rooms in the house of medicine, and some are right. big rooms and some are little rooms, and some have lots of light and some have little and light. And you have to kind of find where your, your lane is. Right, or, and you yeah. try to go ahead and, and, and figure that out. So yeah. I tell the medical students and uh, interns the, to, to see as much as you can do. You know, mm-hmm. go ahead and take that rotation on something that you probably never would have thought, and they go, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Or, or even if you never do it again, well, hey, you know, you did a, a couple, three weeks of rheumatology. Yeah, you just you try did, it out and see what, if it fits. Yeah, or? if it fits. Or at least you'll have that knowledge base. Right. So you can understand the language and the nomenclature. You understand where these guys and gals are coming from when you when you call them at two in the morning. What was your? Um, did you have a medical background in your family? Are there other doctors? Are you the first one? How no, but no, I think. Well, you know, how far you go back at the family tree, well, uh, yeah. right? And the fam- insert family <laughs> tree joke here. But uh, no, our mom uh, was uh, a nurse, and oh, okay. uh, she was a operating room nurse, and awesome. she she tried to uh, dissuade me multiple times because <laughs> she she saw that I, whole, yeah, yeah. yeah, here's what you're getting into, son. Uh, <laughs> So, and of course, like most kids, I didn't listen and uh, and, and pursued uh, medicine and surgery and plastic mm-hmm. and reconstructive surgery. So, um, so yeah, that was that was kind of basically uh, yeah. basically it. That's great. I mean, as somebody, I'm mean, obviously somebody you look up to. I mean, that's not an easy job, right? Being oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and and with uh, with uh, our uh, our mom, she well, once she phenomenal. We'll start there, and but uh, she. It would go ahead and scrub in cases, but then they had her be head nurse, and then she went and got her master's, and then she wound up running uh, the uh, OR. And um, she was really good because she'll say, oh, fine, I'll go ahead and scrub in and do this case, which kind of, for an administrator to go ahead and do that would kind of, and she knew what her people were all about and what Mm -hmm. they needed. Um, Because she had worked her way through the system. Exactly right. And as a matter of fact, which is odd, is getting into... Cedar Sinai Medical Center, which is this big monolithic, globally known, internationally known teaching hospital. Mm-hmm. And so they were redoing, I think it was the eighth floor up there. And so she was the, the head nurse. And then, so they were going to go ahead and do this whole central processing thing, which is where you get the sterility from and the, the instruments go there and you, right, and you right. make them sterile and pass them. And she says, no, 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 you guys are doing it all wrong. And you can put this over there and this over there and this over there. And they actually listened to her awesome. and they did it and they went, oh my God, you're absolutely right. And when uh, uh, when she passed away, my mom, um, they actually put up a plaque uh, for her, which they hmm. never do for right. at Cedars for anybody who's like less of chief. They've had a lot of chiefs of staff. Right. Yeah. Is, if you're not chief of staff, you're like regular. You don't get plaque, right? <laughs> and so for a nurse to go ahead and get a plaque up next to her room uh, over at Cedars, which was, was phenomenal, it's yeah. there, there to this day. Um, and then when she went to, to to Midway Hospital, which is now Olympia 
hospital in Los Angeles. Uh, they and she passed away. She, they did the same thing as the medical staff got together and got her a, a ridiculously large big plaque wow. that put up in the uh, on the entrance to the OR. So if you had to go to the OR, That's you had to, you had to see her uh, every day, yeah. and which again is just unheard of. Yeah. Uh, but that was the no, impact. That's so proud for you. I'm sure for you guys. On, yeah, of what that, she accomplished. I mean, Cedar Sinai is is a globally known hospital. That's amazing. Yeah. You know? So uh, so that's the impact that you know that she uh, that she had. Uh, again, coming from the bottom up and, and right. knowing what people actually need and what's not needed, and then she could tell administrators, "No, you don't need that." Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, and we, we had really that don't. discussion the other day. Like people, I mean, you basically did that too. You put yourself through school. You got. I mean, you worked hard to get to what you do. Well, yeah, I was, and, that, and I, that helps you um, respect everybody. That you're well, with. I, I was very lucky. Uh, I got scholarships. I worked hard, but I was very, I was very fortunate, blessed. Uh, and then people made a couple of wrong decisions and let me into programs and, oh, and, uh, uh, and all that. But no, I was, uh, we've talked about this. I was uh, an ER assistant at Brigham Women's Hospital, which is part of the Harvard system, which again was phenomenal. Right. And uh, when I was in, in, in college and they, they did the first um, a lot of first, but one of the uh, first transplants there was uh, a kidney on an identical twin. Uh, that way, you didn't have to worry about immunology right. so much, which was done by a <coughs> plastic surgeon, by the <laughs> way. Uh, but it's another story for another. So anyway, so a phenomenal place. Um, and uh, I was the the ER kind of orderly. I did the stuff the nurses didn't want to do, hmm. and so I would do stuff like uh, de-louse patients, uh, <laughs> yeah, and <that's> <laughs> and 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 all that. So right. uh, and you know and clean up. And I was the guy with the mop, right. and uh, and and. Yeah, okay. But so, doesn't that make you really, like now, like we were talking about that, now it really makes you appreciate people that have, because that, oh, absolutely. It, it takes a whole team it to takes make that team. all work. No, 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 100%. If, if the guy pushing the mop do, doesn't get there, I can't do the next case. If the guy not cleaning the instruments isn't there, I can't do the next case. Right. The nurses especially, if they don't do the stuff they're supposed to do, if the tech that didn't come in, the EKG machine doesn't work, I can't do the case of anesthesiology. Yeah. So it's v- it's very much a, 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 a team effort. And getting so. back to what we were talking about with the complications, all that stuff, that uh, having that team doing all their jobs at a high level avoids a lot of those issues. 100%. Right? And it's a team effort. And, and again, uh, that's why you put policies and procedures in place, uh, not really dumb ones, but ones that actually make sense, right. that, that protects the patient and yeah. that allows everybody to do their job. Because again, at the end of the day, it's all about the patient. Yeah, and uh, about the best outcome for the patient. Absolutely right. So, yeah. um, Tell us, uh, our audience, how they can find you and if they want to do a consultation, how they can reach you and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So uh, so we're <laughs> very available uh, in as much as um, we are on the web at www.jjrothmd.com. Uh, and there's lots of really good information on there. We're also uh, all over uh, social media uh, with uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram. And um, uh, also uh, this podcast, uh, which is uh, all on the uh, really uh, good places to find uh, uh, your podcast, which is your uh, your iTunes and your Podbean and your uh, Spotify and all the other Mixer places. Box, Mixer Box, Amazon Music. There's, it's a long list these days. Yeah, so it's getting <laughs> getting long, which is good. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so tell your friends. And, uh, and, and again, if you have questions, uh, by all means, please go ahead and uh, call the office or um, uh, get us on our social media platforms because we actually do look at them uh, or uh, on our website because we look at that every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, by all means, uh, if there's a question or anything that you want us to raise, uh, yeah, let us know. We love questions. Yeah, and we and I should actually have this because I actually we, um, work with you with your social media. So Dr. Roth does actually answer 
all the questions as well. I mean, as as you can um, on Instagram on those formats. So you are you are talking to him, and you can ask questions. We get a lot of uh, a lot of people asking about consultations and different subjects, right? So. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, by all means, um, and, and you know, and again, if there's, I would rather you spend you know twenty minutes with me uh, than twenty hours on the internet. Exactly. So if there's a question, by all means, come in. We'll take a look, etc. Uh, also, uh, basically, we have we are completely Spanish speaking as well, so that shouldn't be a barrier. Uh, so by all means, if you know. You have uh, somebody that uh, you know Spanish is their first language. Mm-hmm. We got you covered. Yeah, uh, and so um, so by all means, if there's ever a question or concern, uh, call and ask. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, everybody, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Sounds fantastic. Awesome. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.